On this episode of Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy, you will hear from Dr. William A. Miller, an Ohio State icon, pharmacy leader, and this year's recipient of Health System Pharmacy's highest award, the Harvey A.K. Whitney Lecture Award. Hi everyone and welcome to Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Weber, Chief Pharmacy Officer and Administrator of Pharmacy Services at The Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. Powered by The Ohio State University Lachalet Leadership Program, this show is designed to keep current and aspiring health system pharmacy leaders up to date with issues, trends, and best practices affecting our profession. You can learn more about the Lashley Leadership Program and the Ohio State University's College of Pharmacy MS in Health System Pharmacy Administration and Leadership by visiting go.osu.edu forward slash pharmacy leadership. That's go.osu.edu forward slash pharmacy leadership. William A. Miller is a professor emeritus of clinical and administrative pharmacy, the College of Pharmacy at the University of Iowa. He has held positions as director of pharmacy and academic chairman across numerous different institutions in the country, as well as a teacher and student and resident preceptor. He is the author of over 100 publications. His research interests consist of evaluating pharmacy services and also pharmaceutical education and pharmacy practice. He's a past president of the American Association of Colleges of Pharmacy, the American Clinical College of Clinical Pharmacy, where he is one of the founding members. He also served in a distinguished manner on the ASHB Commission on Credentialing, the accrediting body for pharmacy residency programs in the United States, and was chair for two years. He is this year's recipient of the Harvey A.K. Whitney Lecture Award from the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, as well as a past recipient of the Parker Medal from the American College of Clinical Pharmacy. He currently serves as a contract lead surveyor for the accreditation of residency programs by the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, also as a consultant to the American Pharmacists Association, and as a member of the board of directors for the journal pharmacotherapy, and we are very fortunate to have Bill on our show. So I'm really excited today to uh, speak to the 2020 Harvey A.K. Whitney recipient, Dr. Bill Miller, also an OSU alumni and also somebody who's really, really closely connected to us as an organization. Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you. So I was very excited to hear that you were the recipient of the Harvey A.K. Whitney Award, and obviously for those folks listening to the podcast, we all know that that is Health System Pharmacy's highest award. And, you know, I know, Bill, we were talking before the podcast about, you know, the perspective that you put this award into. And, you know, you said there's a perspective around this award and there's really uh, your thoughts about the award in general and just kind of just how you put that award into perspective in terms of your career. So maybe you can just elaborate a little bit on that for the audience. Yes, I'd be glad to do that. Um, I think uh, I received a phone call from uh, Ken Josephcheck uh, encouraging me to allow him to put forward a recommendation yes, yes. that I be a recipient. And in that conversation, 
I started, you know, I immediately thinking about the importance of the award, but on the other hand, um, what my personal, what I felt about myself. So anyone hearing this podcast, I think there's a tremendous number of people, a good number of people that are well deserving of the Whitney Award. And yet only one person gets this each year. As a result, I kind of reflected on my own career. This really comes from Cliff Blachelet. He taught us uh, kind of the, the concept of the Maslow's uh, Pyramid. And he taught us that when, when you developed, that the highest level was self-actualization. Right. And not, right. To, not to be, you know, in any way... Uh, that that's your you're a better person or anything, but Correct. in your life in your life to say okay, uh, what have I done? What have I done that I think is significant? And uh, also understanding the relationships with other people, your self esteem, all those things. So I thought about it, and I really said, you know, I don't, I feel good about myself. Right. I don't really need the award. But the award would obviously be a recognition that say, I have, rec uh, of the people that received the reward, I know many of them and I have great respect for them. So getting the award from my colleagues would be like a capstone for my career. So I very, uh, very, uh, when I did get the call that I was going to be the Whitney Award for 2020, uh, I thought of all those people uh, and what they had done. Yeah, and just just uh, was a capstone. Yeah, and, and you know, as somebody who wrote your letter of recommendation, I was very proud to do that, Bill. And very, you're very deserving of the award. Uh, and, and I do appreciate your the comment about self actualization and, and sort of your relationship with Cliff Lachelet and. Uh, again, I think the profession and most importantly, Ohio State is very proud of you, what you've done and how you've moved our profession along. And, uh, you know, when I reflected the other day, I went, went and looked at the letter I wrote and, and uh, the things that you've done, is just, it's just been amazing. And I know the folks will see it and will hear it in the bio, uh, you know, to this, to this podcast. But, you know, it really goes beyond that in terms of how you've really changed and the legacy you've set around residency training as well as just academic pharmacy practice. So, you know, you, you should be really proud and I know the university is proud of you as well. Um, the, you know, interestingly, you, you were one of the few people, I think one of the few people that trained with two of the great iconic figures in health system pharmacy, Paul Parker and Cliff Lashley. And how would you describe each of those individuals? Well, uh, I, I feel blessed. Um, I really, uh, they were my two major mentors and, uh, I was blessed because they had similarities, but they were also different in many ways. And because of that, then that influenced who I am. Right. Uh, they were mentors. Uh, so they were, um, you know, some similarities, for example, were they were, uh, both leaders. Uh, they were both uh, thinkers, big thinkers about the future. Uh, they they were, uh, I had a lot of similarities. They were competitive. Yes. Uh, they were great friends, but they were competitive. 
so, so a lot of similarities. Uh, the differences is I felt like um, Cliff, Cliff was very much involved in, uh, at that time, he was very much involved in all the operations uh, part of it. And he, he was doing, he was, he was a perfectionist. And he was wanting to do everything, you know, as perfect as you could in Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he was very much involved. Whereas Parker was more of a delegator in a lot of ways. I the see. whole operation program was pretty much run by his uh, uh, assistant or associate uh, directors. And he was building relationships outside of pharmacy. I see. So he was building healthcare teams. Now, part of that is that when he went to Kentucky, the medical center was set up as an interdisciplinary uh, model. And so it was that way. So he, he had an office, his office was outside of pharmacy. Oh, okay. It, 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 you had to go down there. And the nursing administration, medical staff, they were all in the same area. So okay. Paul, Paul developed those, those relationships to, based on his uh, view of the future, which was more, if you will, in the, in the range of clinical pharmacy. That's not to say Ohio State, uh, while I was associate director for clinical services there, we, we developed way back uh, the start of the good clinical services. So they both they were very similar, but different ways of getting things done. Uh, both great mentors. Yeah, well, what, uh, what, what Phil Schneider uh, told me at one point is that he felt that you know, Cliff's strengths were with operations, as you said, but, but not, he didn't, Cliff didn't have as much of an inclination to deal directly with physicians and so um, Phil was delegated that task to deal with the medical staff, which, you know, benefited his career because then he was able to do a lot of neat things here at Ohio State. Um, but whereas Paul was more connected to physicians, do you think, in terms of just... Oh, yeah, by far. Uh, in the administration, all the way to the VP, I got a, uh, uh, as a result of that, I worked directly with the uh, vice president uh, for the University of Kentucky on a number of things that he got me involved with. Uh, yeah, so it, yeah, definitely different there. That's interesting. So then you, uh, you did uh, obviously the master's degree, then you went and did three years of the PharmD, correct? Well, actually not, not quite. See, what I did is I took my job down there as a pharmacist. I see. Okay. And the dean of the College of Pharmacy as a faculty member, as a clinical faculty member and a, a staff pharmacist, if you will, in the pharmacy. Uh, but the dean wanted all of us that were faculty to get the PharmD degree. I see. And so uh, over a two-year period, I completed it. I uh, because I'd already done a residency, I didn't do the residency, another residency. Oh, I see. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And he did that for... Um, Maybe about six of us, like Bob Rapp, if you know that name. Oh, yeah, example. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and we were doing it at the same time. So our we were paid. We were still working some, so it was spread out. And actually, most of the curriculum was in the College of Medicine. I see. 
uh, physiology. Yeah, we, took the, we take the same courses as uh, physicians did uh, in many, many of the courses uh, in the earlier year, part of it, uh, which uh, gave us uh, relationships uh, with, uh, you know, to be uh, doctored. Well, that's it. That's essentially how the Ohio State program, PharmD program started, was the PharmD students took the medical modules, you know, very various, you know, the modules in the medical school. And so it was really an interesting approach uh, to, to PharmD training back in the day when Ohio State started their post-BS PharmD program. So what did you learn? What, so what would you say you learned, like one, one or two pearls that you learned from them that you used in your career? Well, uh, I would say uh, this is kind of something I wanted to say anyhow, is about uh, what what uh, leaders do. And I, I said in my Whitney thing, I was successful. Why was I successful? Uh, and that was more both of the models, uh, both for Parker and and Cliff were the same. Yeah, uh, they they did what they did well. Uh, they did in different roles, but they surrounded themselves with outstanding people. Yes. And so, if I, for example, my communication skills, I used to tell Ken Josephjack, I said, Ken, go talk to the, the the nurses that are upset, because he had a way. He was a better. Uh, and had better uh, uh, abilities than I did. I, you know, I was just let's get this done, right. and and sometimes that would be too uh, too aggressive. So I looked back at it. So I surrounded myself and I used their talents, uh, and they used mine when they had a problem. Uh, you know, needing to talk to a department chair of medicine or something, I would, you know, talk to them and and help them out. So it's a team thing. And so if you're more of an administrator, that's great. I mean, or if you're more of a clinician, that's great. You can be the uh, chief pharmacy officer as a clinician, but you can be someone that is more into leadership and administration. Uh, but either way, you have to have the other components. So I learned that from the two of them and others that it's, it's not about you. Uh, and I would just add one other thing. Your legacy, uh, my legacy was the greatest thing in my legacy is I helped change the culture in, in a, you know, a couple places. Uh, and, and once you change the culture, it usually lasts. So, uh, and, and so that's the greatest accomplishment. But I couldn't do that. Uh, I can't change the culture alone. It was putting all the people in clinical roles. It was expanding the residency programs, da 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 da. So it, you're again, you know, it again is a team of approach. Yeah, no, I would agree. And uh, <clears throat> just reflecting on my own career, I've uh, I use my I've used my clinical skills m much more than my administrative skills in my current job. Uh, and you're right, I, you know, I have folks that are operationally adept and do those types or who can communicate with nurses, et cetera. So I, I understand what you're saying. And for the, for the people listening to the podcast, it's all about 
leading with your strengths and you know and using your using your strengths in various areas when it's appropriate and obviously hiring people that have strengths that complement or that fill gaps uh, within your team and that sounds to me that's what you did at South Carolina because yeah you, you developed a very high functioning team down there and you were you were uh, one of these folks like me who was a director of pharmacy as well as a department chair and what why do you think those models are not as prep why, why do you think that model is not as prevalent today bill because i know after i left pittsburgh they they separated the position and i know it's separate at musc and in other places but but why why do you think people separated it uh, I think it's uh, for a couple reasons. One uh, is the hospital administration. Uh, if you're if you're both a department chair in a med, you know, in a, the medical center as well, like I was, so I was a chairman of the department uh, and and a director of pharmacy, a chairman of an academic department then this resistance to that because a lot of the hospital administration don't want to deal with more, you know, like the physicians they have to deal with. So having nurses, that a dean of nursing being over that, then they've got, again, uh, dealing with them. Uh, so I think that's been a pushback at some places. They want to only have, we actually had consultants in, 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 uh, in, in MUSC and I had to make a choice. Was I going to be department chair in the College of Pharmacy or a director? The consultants didn't want that. Uh, so I would have given up. Uh, I did. I gave up the, the state department chair in the college and gave up the uh, pharmacy director. Oh, and, uh, and then uh, did you find that to be... So that was something I, you know, now obviously I understand fully about consultants wanting to do that because that would just make sense to me based on what I know about consultants. But how, how did you feel about that move? I thought it was a bad move. Yeah. Uh, now, yeah. now here, let me say though, the problem is uh, I think uh, and you can reflect on this yourself because you you were in those positions, but you have to have uh, a significant number of other people. So at MUSC, I hired Jean Nappy, uh, and she was over clinical services. And then her husband was over uh, the research. So they were academically leading uh, because I couldn't do it all. So I, I, we, and then I had four uh, assistant or associate over different services. That right. included pediatrics, psych was separate, uh, medicine, and AM care. Uh, and so they were all leaders and they were elevated. They weren't, you know, they were elevated to really run those areas. I think that worked. I think now in medicine, uh, they've learned that you can't be a full time researcher and a full time clinician. Right. I can't do it all. So a lot of the medical schools now, they have clinical professors are mainly doing uh, that. But they're also teaching, particularly teaching, you know, with the residents in their respective practice areas. But they're not so involved in research. And I think that's the way to go. But I think uh, one of the advantages is that when you're connected in the medical center, 
as a director of pharmacy, but also academically as department chair. And I sat on the, at MUSC, it was on the medical board. Uh, you, you create a different understanding uh, and it makes, you know, they want you to teach. Yeah, we, a lot of the departments wanted us to teach their residents. We did that. Uh, and so, anyhow, I think it's a good model. But you're right, it's, it's not very common now. No, no, they, the, yeah, I don't know about really of any place. I mean, that maybe San Francisco. No, not even them, not even UCSF. So, yeah, I, I, I found it to be, when I was a, the, the chair and the director at Pitt, I found it to be, and, and you know, you did many residency surveys with us. I found it to be a, a, well, a lot easier to deal with some things that uh, have to do with practice as well as what people do and how they do it and their accountabilities and those sorts of things, having that integrated approach really does, you know, really does help. Um, what's your, what's your, what, what would you say was your proudest accomplishment at MUSC? Okay, before I do that, I want to just add on. I think, I don't know where you guys are, but the College of Pharmacy was going to put faculty in some sort research-oriented in the medical center or something like that. Yeah, uh, I, I felt one of the strengths of being both, having it all together, was research. Uh, and in the Department of Pharmacy, clinical research, and, and appropriately funded, not from the hospital, but a mix. Uh, and that helped us get attention from the department chairs in medicine because they wanted our people to participate. In some of the departments, they didn't really have, like family medicine wasn't so strong. So pharmacists led the research. Yeah. And that's all good. No, absolutely. Me about what was my accomplishments? Yeah, what did you? Yeah, what, what did you think you were most proud of when you left MUSC? Uh, well, first off, let me say that uh, the person I replaced and the people that were there before me did great jobs. Uh, it's not like I came in and made it a good right. place. It was one of the. It was uh, one of the first twenty-five, I believe. You know that were uh, uh, residency programs uh, in the country, right? And they they did them all, recognized them all. There were some earlier by date, but right. they did all the accreditation as one group, twenty five. They were there, so they've always been very clinically oriented. Uh, but when I got there, uh, the clinical part was there, uh, but we wanted to expand it. The residency part was there, but it was very small. So we went with the model, a medical model, of having some faculty that were uh, researchers and some that were clinicians, but all faculty appointed, a lot of them. We had staff clinicians as well, but we mixed them and it worked well. But I think the result of it all that I'm most proud of is you just, if you go there, I mean, the, the again, the, the uh, culture there is the state. Uh, physicians expect to have pharmacies on every service. Right. They expect it, uh, and they and not expect it, but they they use it. So it's really team based. So I think my greatest accomplishment is leaving the place better and changing that culture to more of an interdisciplinary. Uh, clinical focus. Yes. 
and, and I would absolutely agree with you. I mean, MUSC has always been a bit of a benchmark for a lot of us across the country. And so, yes, your, your legacy of culture change and the shift and how they operate still stands today. And you've been gone how many years? How many, when did you leave MUSC? About in 1998, uh, I guess. Yeah, about 1998. Yeah, and then and then you went went to Iowa after that. Iowa, yeah. yeah. And yeah, was in 2008, and then I left that. Yeah. So, so Bill, you know, you've uh, you've done so much in your career, uh, and it's nice to get to know you a little better through this podcast. You know, obviously, you've got interests and so on outside of work. So, you know, what what are the kinds of podcasts you're listening to? What what are you reading? What's inspiring you these days? Well, you know, I am a guy uh, that likes virtual. What I mean by that is uh, I watch a lot of uh, TV stuff like history, mm -hmm. uh, things like that. And I do read some books, but I'm not as big a reader as a watching. I, I like films. I like all that. And then in the pharmacy world, which um, I don't read as much, you know, way back I read all the uh, leadership books, uh, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but, and of course, uh, I've read more about uh, like healthcare technologies, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, that's you know, uh, and now I think uh, you know more big thing right now for me is uh, we're coming together as one pharmacy. What I mean by that is uh, healthcare systems. Uh, I've already got Amcare. They've got community pharmacies in many of them. Uh, and now the community is building in out into the uh, outside the pharmacy in the clinical practice, and they're intermerging. So I think that's what one of the leadership things I think is important is how do you develop systems uh, and transitions of care uh, that improve overall healthcare care uh, outcome. So I do I do do read. Um, a variety of different things, but no one particular area. I see. The, the, the other thing that I guess I should mention, too, that I was thinking about here when you were talking was how you've changed so much, changed so much the residency accreditation piece at ASHP. And I know they for many years you were, in my opinion, the central figure in residency accreditation and also with the American College of Clinical Pharmacy and all you've done for board certification and those sorts of things. I think, you know, it goes without saying that I think your postgraduate training, you've left an indelible mark there as well. Well, I think, again, the advantage I have is that I was in that dual role as a faculty member. And then I was, you know, uh, very involved in AACP uh, as well. And so I had that appreciation. Uh, part of my Whitney Award was on the continuum of pharmacy education. And uh, I know there's a lot of people that disagree with me, including um, the, uh, my colleagues at ASHP in terms of some of the things I've said. I think we, I think we should know, I think the PharmD students, uh, uh, in terms of their competencies, should be built as far as you can do it. And I keep suggesting other people, it's not me, of suggesting that maybe more a two-year component 
and clinical practice rather than one year. I see. That doesn't mean that it destroys the, in any way, the knowledge piece, the didactic piece. Uh, and because uh, residents or students are learning and are required to read, their, pre their preceptors are teaching them. So I just think that would be helpful. I think we need to define what the PGY-1 program is. And I've been, uh, uh, you know, in, far, in pharmacy, it's a one-year program. In medicine, it is PGY-1 means you're in the first year of, say, a four-year residency program. Uh, so I, I think we need to elevate uh, what we can do in uh, the PharmD program. And then the PGY-1 program should be more uh, specific. So, for example, through the PharmD program, you should have enough experience in hospital, community, and at least some exposure if you want it to other things like uh, specialty pharmacies to decide what you where you want to go. Medical residents no longer have internships. They have to decide when they graduate from medicine what specialty they're going to go into. Uh, and another thing that I believe in is uh, AmCare uh, is a specialty. Uh, it's yeah. a broad specialty. Uh, and family medicine is a broad specialty. So I view, like medicine does, all of the different areas are specialized. Uh, so I, I think the students would be better if they come in and are focused on an area they're trying to do and the curriculum would be more focused. To me, a lot of the PTY1 stuff is a repeat of the of what they did in the RMB program. So I, I like to see that escalated. And then I think we probably are eventually going to have to have some specialty areas like immunology. I don't think PharmD programs uh, can into the depth there. So there's probably going to be some programs that become two-year programs. Right. So I'll, I'm, I'll, I'm, always, I'm always thinking be, up the, you know, beyond what we do today. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And that's what makes you valuable to our profession. And just for the folks listening to the podcast uh, who are leaders and new leaders and residents, you know, Dr. Miller, Bill is thinking beyond his, you know, where he is today and thinking, okay, where do we want to be in five years? And what, what, is, what do we want to see pharmacists doing in five years? And you, you heard that the, what he's saying is there could be a possibility that postgraduate training will change to meet the just, just to meet the demands of what's going to be necessary for pharmacists to understand and do in the future. So uh, those are true words of wisdom there, Bill. And finally, uh, you know, we have residents on this, listening to this podcast. We have new new leaders. What's, what's your advice to them to make them successful? What's a pearl of wisdom you can leave with them? Well, uh, you know, when I look back on my career, uh, I don't early on uh, that I set my priorities. Uh, and I think we've learned now of the importance of balance in our life. Uh, so the first thing I would say is balance. Right. And if you're uh, uh, married or have a partner, or if you uh, are father, mother, whatever, whatever is in your life, the balance of that beyond uh, being your work life. So uh, I believe, and I learned myself, and I became a better father 
after I realized I was too too on balance towards my professional life. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think uh, that's an important learning thing. But the second one is, uh, I think we're all raised. Uh, uh, most parents uh, certainly want to see their children successful. And I was raised in an environment uh, that you always do the best you can. Right. Uh, so do the best. I think that's that's what elevated me is I what I did the best, and it seemed to be received by others that 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 it was pretty good. But again, back to yourself, you have to do that, and you're happy about it. So do the best you can, in uh, in whatever job you take. Yeah, uh, and be a, the third thing I'd say is be a leader. Uh, now I'm saying that to your TGY2 Farm Administration. Uh, you, those those residents have been trained to be a leader, and uh, it's not you know it may be in a different area. You might go into technology. You might go into uh, you know all the things with the. Uh, on technology in other evolving areas, uh, like uh, using computers, new techniques to to do things, all kinds of things. Uh, but anyhow, to do do well in that, whatever you do, do it well, and think about how you're going to do it well because it's a team approach. What what part do you play? It's not like you do it all. Uh, but whatever you do, like if your niche is the administrative part, if it's a clinical part, if it's a technology, or if it's artificial uh, medicine, all those kinds of things, uh, do it well. That's awesome, Bill. And, uh, you know, again, you know, we, we're proud of what you've done. And we, I appreciate these words of advice. I think uh, anybody, anyone listening to this podcast will walk away with some great points that they can incorporate uh, into their uh, work life, into their personal life, into their leadership life. And again, Bill, thank you so much for being on the show and have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy. And if you found this interview helpful to your own professional development, please do us a favor and share the good news with your colleagues and leave us with a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast each and every week.